there's really no need for me to introduce what is one of the most famous parables of all time. So I'm not really going to try. If you have been a Christian for a significant amount of time, or even if you have not, you have probably heard of and know the general outlines of the story, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, instead of introducing it, I would like to reframe it a little bit because I want us to understand so that we can hear with fresh ears as we read it that this is not just a story about one son. If you're like me, your English Bible has a very helpful heading that says the parable of the prodigal son. The headings are super helpful, but they are a relatively recent addition that's not inspired by God, and sometimes they miss the mark a little bit. Now, how do I know that this is a story about more than one son? Jesus says it in the first sentence. There was a man who had two sons. This is a story about two sons and the father who loved them with grace and mercy despite the sins of each of them. So I like to think of this as the parable of the loving and gracious father. It's a parable that resonates powerfully with people from all backgrounds because, because we each see something of ourselves in this story that Jesus told as he continued on the road to Jerusalem. Now we should recall, his primary audience was a group of grumbling Pharisees who were resentful of the fact that he cared for and even welcomed tax collectors and sinners. This is the third of a series of parables that Jesus tells to explain the, the extraordinary joy in heaven whenever the spiritually lost are saved. And it is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. I will have it on the screen. I do recommend if you have a Bible to grab it. There is one that's seat in front of you because it's a long one and I have to split it across three slides. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. 
put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This parable introduces three characters to us. A selfish, rude, sinful, and immoral younger brother, whom we are to understand represents the tax collectors in the center. A proud, scornful, self-righteous older brother, who we are to understand are the Pharisees and the scribes. And then a loving and merciful father, who we are to understand represents God. We're going to consider each of these in more detail as we try to understand what Jesus is trying to teach to those proud, scornful, self-righteous Pharisees, both then and today. First, let's consider the younger brother. We've all been him. As Jesus' story begins, this young man asks his father in verse 12, to give him the portion of his property he would inherit upon his father's death. Asking his father to divide up his property before he died was extraordinarily rude and disrespectful because essentially he's telling his father he wishes he were dead, but since he didn't have the decency to die, would he just go ahead and divide up the property now and give him his portion? Incredibly, the father does so. And then this young man sells everything and he, and he moves far away and he wastes it all on reckless and immoral living. This foolish young man was now as distant as he could possibly be from his father, as distant as he could be geographically, emotionally, and spiritually. And he continues his descent into filth winding up in a very real and physical sense when he runs out of money and a severe famine sets in. In order to survive, he takes on a very disgusting job. He goes to work for a farmer who sends him out to feed pigs. Now, under the law of Moses, pigs are unclean animals. So here is this Jew, not very observant, but nonetheless raised to understand pigs are nasty. And he has to feed a bunch of hungry, sloppy, mucky pigs. In the end, I would speculate that he is about as filthy on the outside as he already was on the inside. And apparently his pay was so poor and, his, and the food was so scarce during this famine 
that by verse 16, he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate. He wanted to eat the pig food. It was better than nothing. He was broken financially, physically, and spiritually. But Jesus says this younger son remembered the generosity of his father, and he repented and returned to him. See, verse 17 begins, but when he came to himself, and this is a, a figure of speech that indicates that, that he kind of realized the situation he was in, and he, and he was truly sorry and repented of his sinful behavior. And he recognized that he hadn't just sinned against his father, he had sinned against God. And he recognized that because of the awfulness of his sins, and the awful way he had lived, and the awful way he had treated his father, that, that he was utterly unworthy to ever be considered his father's son again. And yet he knew that his father's servants never went hungry. And so he thought that with a full confession, and, and perhaps his father might be kind enough to hire him as a servant. And so he began the long journey home. And he, on the way, he rehearses his confession and, and the deal that he hopes to strike with his father. And, and he does it in verses 18 and 19. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. But his father has none of that. Verse 20 says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And I want us to picture this scene in our minds. I want us to picture this stately, well-to-do, older gentleman who casts aside all social customs and hikes up his robes and goes running out to his filthy, bedraggled, starving, wretched son, the one who had treated him so shamefully. And he embraces him and kisses him. And even as the son is busy confessing his sin and, and, and trying to make a bargain and explaining his unworthiness to his father, the father restores him just like that to the family. He gives him the robe that was reserved for a visiting VIP. He gives him a ring, probably a signet ring, that indicates that he is, he is a member of this family. He gives him shoes, which were actually a distinguishing mark between a son and a servant. And then he calls for a celebration for the whole town. Right? When he calls for that fattened calf to be killed, that makes a lot of meat. That's not a party for one family. This is a party for the whole town. And so here this young man had hoped, had hoped his father might make him a servant. And instead his father made him a son once again. And he didn't restore his son because his son deserved it. Or, or earned it. The son deserved nothing. He had already wasted all the inheritance he was ever going to get from his father. His father restored him because he was full of love and grace towards his sorrowful son, despite all of the sin and the pain that he had caused to him. This parable resonates with us because whether we like to admit it or not, we have each been the younger brother, the younger son at some point in our life. We have all turned our back on our Heavenly Father, on God, 
at one point or another. We have all had moments or days or even decades where we didn't care what God wanted. We did what we wanted. And it didn't matter what God might think about it. We've all had times where we've indulged sin and, and we're just about as far away from God as we could possibly be. But the very fact that we are here this morning suggests that like that young man, we have each had moments where we've begun to at least realize that we have sunk to a place we never planned to get to. Never imagined we would be. And we decided to come home again. And for many of us, that probably started out by looking kind of like the younger son, trying to, trying to figure out how to strike a bargain with God. Where if we just do a little bit of better behavior and do a few good things, we might get some measure of forgiveness. But that's not how God negotiates. He doesn't give out portions of forgiveness based on good behavior or hard work. Because our good behavior and our hard work are nothing in comparison to the perfection of God. Because He is perfect, there is nothing we can do to earn our way back to His level of perfection. And yet, like the Father in the story, He loves us anyway. And so He sent Jesus Christ, His eternal Son, into this world to live and to teach and to preach and to, to work miracles and to proclaim the kingdom of God, but ultimately to suffer and die on the cross as the perfect sacrifice of blood required to pay for all of the, the disgustingness and the filth and the evil of our sin. And because of Christ's sacrifice, whenever we do realize that we are the younger brother, that we are the younger son, and we turn to God for help and we ask Him to forgive us in Jesus' name, He is already there running towards us to embrace us and kiss us he is all ready to restore us to the full life of a son or daughter of God. This grace that he shows us, which is undeserved, which is never possibly earned, this is the cross's abundant and bloody evidence of God's love for each of us. This is what sticks in our mind. This is what fills us whenever we hear this parable read. Because every single one of us has been distant from God at some point in our life. And you might be feeling distant from Him this morning. right? Even though you're here in church, you may feel a million miles away from God. Or you may know someone you care about who seems awfully distant from God. But believe me, the distance does not matter. God is always looking out for you and He is always ready to run and embrace you the moment you turn away from your sin and turn back towards Him. That's the joy and the truth of the younger son. But next, let's consider the older brother. Most of us have been like him as well. See, the older brother resented the salvation and forgiveness and most especially the celebration about his lost brother. When his father threw a massive celebration for the whole town, Jesus says in verse 28, the older brother was angry and refused to go in. He resented the father's kindness and his celebration over a sinner. He expressed bitterness towards his father. In verse 
29. He, he actually uses the Greek word for slavery to describe his many years working alongside his father in the field. Somehow this experience of laboring alongside his father on land that he was going to inherit himself one day has morphed into burdensome slavery in his mind. In his heart, he could not forgive his brother's sin. In verse 30, he refuses to even call him his brother. He says, when this son of yours came. Because this older brother in his mind had never sinned, he didn't see a reason to forgive his brother. But the very fact that he refused to enter his father's party, that he refused to value the things his father did, anyone in that culture would have understood he was sinning against his father that he was refusing to honor and obey his father out of bitterness towards his brother, and that this was a sin. For all of us who've been Christians for a while, there have probably been times, maybe years, maybe up to and including this morning, where we've been the older brother. Where we have looked at someone in their mess and in their poverty and in their sin and, 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 and said, well brought that on herself. He seems to be getting what he deserves. Or we look at someone else's sin, we think our sin isn't a big deal because we never think our sin is a big deal. We look at somebody else's sin and say, well, that sinner sure needs God. But he needs him in a different church, not mine. These are the thoughts of the older brother. Over time, our personal experience of grace will tend to fade in our memory if we don't bring it back to mind frequently. We will forget all that God did for us. We will forget what Jesus did for us on the cross. We'll know it in our minds. We'll mouth the words well. But it won't really penetrate our hearts. And our hearts will grow cold and hard towards our younger brother. The older brother in a Christian church today condemns a sinner before he or she ever even turns to God, which is like condemning someone for breathing. The Christian older brother is suspicious when that non-believer starts getting curious about the things of God. And then he or she crushes them when they actually dare to darken the door of a church and, and they display their ignorance or their skepticism about some of the things that we treasure, like the Bible, or proper behavior in church. As we've gone through the 2020 vision process, you, the congregation, have been very, very clear, right? You want Lake Ridge Baptist Church to be a church that reaches out, that is outward facing, that is out in this community, that is ministering and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that, because that is exactly what he is calling us to do. My question this morning is when he blesses this with success and some of our neighbors start coming to church, you've never been to church before. Are we ready for that? Or will we be the church of the older brother? Cutting these vulnerable newcomers down at the knees for not dressing right or not looking right or not living right or not believing right or not knowing right. Because if we do, we will do enough damage to God's kingdom to put a smile on Satan's face. 
But whenever we realize that we are the older brother, we need to stop and repent and pray a lot. We need to remember that we still need God's grace every single day, just like our younger brother. Because we deserve nothing. But God loves us anyway. He forgives us. So finally, let's consider this loving and gracious Father. This is an amazing portrait of God as our Heavenly Father that we see in this parable. And I pray that this image will be stored away in your soul for some dark day that lies ahead. A day of trouble. A day when you are ashamed and burdened because you realize you have become one of these brothers. When that day comes, when you are in the depths of misery, either because you are so full of uh, of unholy sin like the younger brother or so full of self-righteous sin like the older brother, that you are ashamed and you recognize God's, God's displeasure with this, I pray that you will open this image up and take comfort from it. And so there are two truths about the Father I want to make sure we store away with this image. First, although the Father permitted the younger son to sin and to disrespect and insult him, the Father embraced the younger son and fully restored him as his son. I pray that you will never forget verse 20. Particularly whenever you find yourself lost and sinking in a pit of sin of your own making and feeling like God could never love you again. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is how God is with each of us when we ask forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. No matter how low things sink for you, no matter how terrible the things that you have said or done, no matter how far you or someone you love has tried to run away from God or tried to push Him away, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just some, all of it. He is always ready to feel compassion and to run to us and embrace us and kiss us. But the second truth I want us to store away is that the Father also seeks out the angry, resentful, sulking older brother in loving affection. Verse 28 says, his father came out and entreated him. He refused to go into his father's party. This was an insult. And yet even after insulting him, his father comes out to him, right? The father not only ran out to the younger son, he comes out to him. He goes to where the older son is in his anger and bitterness and self-righteousness. And he begs him to come in and celebrate a sinner restored to God's family. Even after he listens to his son complain, comparing service to him, service to God, the burdensome slavery, and making clear that he had absolutely no mercy or grace whatsoever towards his brother. The 
The father still addresses him affectionately in verse 31. He uses the Greek word that means my child. Let's remember, even when we are at the height of being the most obnoxious older brother we can be, and we realize that, God still says to us, my child, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this year, brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The question to reflect on this morning as we prepare to leave is, which child of God are you today? I can hope it's neither of these two. But many days we are one or the other. Some days we are both. So if you're feeling like the younger brother this morning because of something that you have done or something that has happened to you that makes you think that God can't ever accept you or love you, understand that he can and he will. His grace and mercy are unlimited and all you have to do is turn away from whatever it is and ask forgiveness in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. But if you're feeling like the older brother this morning, because to this point, until you got here, you were feeling pretty good about yourself and where you were spiritually. But it turns out you're harboring judgment and condemnation towards someone else. Then repent. Ask God's forgiveness and his help in changing your heart. And he will give it to you. Because you are his dear child as well. And he loves you too. And it's not because of all the things you do for him or all the things you do for this church. He loves you because of who he is. For the next couple minutes, we're going to be praying and then we're going to sing. And I invite you to reflect on these matters and, and to confess to God whatever is on your heart and ask for his forgiveness. If you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, I urge you and invite you to do that this morning. Because until you take that step of faith, you will always be the younger son. No matter how hard you try to be decent and moral, you will be very far away from God indeed. But understand, He longs to run to you and embrace you and kiss you and restore you to His family. Just as soon as you embrace, turn to Him by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if that's a decision that you are ready to make or that you have made in recent days, then, then after we pray and as we sing, I invite you to come up front here so we can celebrate the grace of God together. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, You are so full of love and grace and mercy, Lord. Help us to embrace that. So when we are the younger son, help us to remember this story, these words of Jesus, and turn back to you, confessing our sin in his name. And we know that you are, you will embrace us and raise us up as sons and daughters of yours. But when our hearts grow cold, we feel pretty good about ourselves and pretty bad about those other people out there. Lord, soften our hearts. Help us see the sin of this attitude. That we would accept your invitation to come to your party. To celebrate the work of your kingdom. 
in all of its glory and beauty and grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.